the Bad Book Reviews podcast, a discussion on bad reviews of books loathed with the authors who wrote them. I'm your host, Alexis DeWeese. This is not a chance for writers to exert revenge against cruel reviewers, but instead a place to discuss how we talk about books we don't enjoy, dish about the books we actually love, laugh a little about the oddities of the internet, and find a grain of truth in some rough critique. Welcome to the Bad Book Reviews podcast. I'm Alexis DeWeese, and this week I'm sitting down with Joshua Harris. Josh is a marketer as well as the subject and primary collaborator on the award-winning documentary, I Survived Ica's Dating Goodbye. I should probably mention that he is also the author of the late 90s runaway bestseller, Ica's Dating Goodbye. Josh has given a TEDx talk entitled Strong Enough to be Wrong that handles topics of public criticism and his radical response. This is a conversation made for the Bad Book Reviews podcast, and I'm excited to have Josh here. Thanks for joining us. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. So let's give some of our listeners a context um, of a little bit of your story. Um, So what is I Kiss Dating Goodbye and what inspired you to write it? So I Kiss Dating Goodbye is a book for Christians. I wrote it when I was 21 years old and it was really a call for singles to think differently about relationships, to have a radical perspective about romance and dating. And essentially, its its primary premise was that dating was a bad idea. It was a distraction. It led to premarital sex, which was the biggest, you know, no-no in the evangelical world. And that uh, it would it was better to wait until you were ready for commitment, ready to pursue marriage. Uh, and so you should kiss dating goodbye. And I, I shared my own story of making that decision to do that, that I was going to save my first kiss for the wedding day. And it ended up uh, catching on and a lot of other people bought the book and adhered to the book. And uh, 20 years have gone by and I've, I've learned a lot since then. So when this hit um, shelves, did you, were you and your publisher, were you expecting this to take off like it did? No, I don't think anybody expected it to sell the way that it did. I mean, I, you know, when you're an author, you write a book and you hope, you always are hoping that it will be mm-hmm. a bestseller. But it, uh, I didn't have any experience when it was a first time author. And so I didn't know mm-hmm. what to expect, but it just, it just sort of grew and grew and grew. You know, the, the book would keep going back to press. They would keep, you know, letting me know they had to reprint it. And it just sort of snowballed. That's wild. Okay, so yeah. this the book got a really great initial response um, throughout, you know, throughout its initial release and into the 2000s. Um, it was really, you know, uh, a mainstay in the purity culture in the evangelical church at the time. Right. Um, were you? When did you become aware of the negative response that was kind of brewing? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, you know. You're you're getting negative reviews um, online and letters mm-hmm. uh, fairly early on, so I was aware of that. But okay. you know, when a book when a book is um, getting the kind of attention it was getting in the early days, the amount of response is just so great in terms of the letters, like people were actually writing me physical snail mail letters back then. Um, 
and um, and then just things that were being posted on Amazon and so on. And just, it starts to just overwhelm you. Like there's mm-hmm. a point at which you just start to shut down your ability yeah. to even process the positive or the negative. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of moved on in, in paying attention to it um, in, in, in a very focused way. But um, the thing that stands out to me is that other books started to be written in response to my book. And okay. so I remember um, a book called boundaries and dating being written and its whole first chapter was essentially kind of this response to my ideas so that it could move forward and talk about what healthy dating should look like. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of unsettled me and I thought, Oh, you know, you know, what's going on here and should I think differently about this? And, um, unfortunately I had, uh, people surrounding me and I listened to their counsels, my own fault, uh, who basically said, you know, being a strong leader means, you know, just staying the course and not listening to criticism and that kind of a thing. But um, that was the thing that really stood out to me as one of the first criticisms that I thought, wait a second here, did I did I get something wrong? Interesting. So this kind of, you start to unpack this in the I Survived I Kiss Dating Goodbye documentary. Right. Um, but as like, this is a journey that continued to progress over the years. Um, do you mind unpacking that a little bit for us? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I think that, uh, a big moment for me was, I was a, I was a pastor of a large church on the East coast and Mm -hmm. there was a moment in the life of our church where, um, I invited members of the church to, to come to my home and share ways in which our leadership had, hurt them had been unhelpful, which was a big step. It was a controversial step to actually like let critics have a a platform. And Mm -hmm. what essentially I learned from that was that my eyes started to be open to how you can have good intentions and you can be trying to help people, but you can create an environment, a culture that's actually toxic, that's harmful, that makes them, Mm -hmm. um, you know, really have wrong views of themselves and, and, um, be damaging. And so uh, our church went through a process of, of apologizing for some of those things. And that's when I began to realize, wait a second, you know, my book ties into that. It, it created pressure for people. It created this uh, idea that there's one way to do relationships. Um, and it, it ended up that it, it took me many years to then give attention to that because of different things that were taking place in my, in my life and the mm-hmm. life of the church and so on. But it was essentially um, going through difficulty and pain and even failure personally, like Mm -hmm. failure as a pastor and mistakes that were made and then stepping away from that, that I was willing to uh, evaluate my book, which was it was hard for me because it was such a big part of my identity. Like Mm -hmm. it was it was what made me special. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was yeah. like, I'm a best-selling author. I'm famous for this, you know? Mm-hmm. And so to, um, to open up the door and say the thing that I, um, am sort of like most proud of that has given me all these opportunities and sense of self is actually something that maybe is a very negative thing and on balance is harmful was a really difficult door for me to open up. So it took a lot of kind of internal turmoil to, to bring me to to a point of being willing to do that. Yeah. No, that takes a ton of humility to even consider that. I feel like 
you know, you think about the conversations about leadership um, that happen. I mean, especially in religious spaces, but just in general, um, there's never really that you in a leadership book, you never really have the section on, you know, this is how you admit you're wrong or to think about that. And that just seems like a radical concept um, in this day and age. So what was that like once you decided to open that door? Like how difficult was that? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I mean, people are like, very encouraging and, and will say things about, you know, me being humble and that type of thing. And I, I, I almost feel uncomfortable, um, taking that kind of credit because I, I do feel like it was, it was more about like <laughs> being beaten down by life circumstances mm-hmm. in a way, you know, and, and like reaching this point where, it's, it didn't feel like humility. Like, you know, I'm going to consider where I was wrong. It was more just like, I'm on the, I'm on the pavement, you know, and, and I'm just sort of like, well, there's an openness to see that in a way that I think is just not there when you're, when you're on top of the world, Mm -hmm. you know? So the other piece of it too, is that I think stepping away from leading the church was a, which was a huge thing for me because and this is, I think, something people don't understand if they haven't been in leadership in different ways. When you're in leadership of any organization, you're never fully in control. Mm-hmm. You're always, there are always um, different powers that be. You're always having to negotiate things. Even if you don't voice these things and admit these things, mm-hmm. everybody has a constituency. Every author has an audience. You know, They have publishers. They have uh, people who are members of the church. You have elders, you have all these different things. And you can, you could do the same thing outside of the church in a business context. And so to, to begin to reconsider kind of foundational aspects of who you are or ways that you think is a very tricky endeavor when you are part of a large organization or a community or whatever it might be, because you are now ticking off the people who know you, love you, Mm -hmm. who provide, you know, support for you, friendship, all those kinds of things. And so it's, it's, uh, it's something a lot of people don't do, um, not because they're, they're not courageous or they're not humble. You just Mm -hmm. don't even consider certain things. You don't, you don't even think about doing certain things or questioning certain things because it would mean losing the people around you. Mm. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, um, <laughs> I think that when I reached this point of stepping away from being a leader, being a student, that was an important space for me to go into putting, mm-hmm. taking the posture of a student, having the space to question. And- yeah, exactly. Having the space to question, recognizing that questioning is, is a really healthy part of learning and growing, um, interacting with fellow students who are sharing their perspective on the book, um, they weren't just people, you know, that were on the internet that were anonymous or that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. All of those things added to me being willing to say, wow, I think there are some problems here. I need to engage this. I didn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being an interaction on Twitter of all things that kind of pushed that into the public. Like I was trying to figure out how am I going to do this? What I'll do this privately. And a, a woman wrote me and said, your book was used against me like a weapon. And I said, I responded in part saying, I'm, I'm so sorry. And we ended up having more interactions that people didn't see. We had several phone calls. Mm-hmm. She shared her story with me. 
she's a, an accomplished author and, and wrote books that I then read. But that interaction on Twitter got picked up by different news outlets. And there was this like, Josh Harris is apologizing. And, um, people who, you know, people who loved my book were like, well, why, why would you do that? Why are you caving to pressure? And then, um, people who hated my book were saying like, well, are you really apologizing? What exactly you're apologizing for? You know, so it just, it just pushed the process mm-hmm. forward. And I realized I really need to, to do this right and, and take the time to think through this. Yeah. That's wild because like suddenly, like, I feel like anytime anything ends up on the internet as well, as we'll see as this conversation continues. Um, but suddenly you're, you're taking that, like you're trying to process through this and control that process a little bit. And suddenly like when it becomes a conversation and when it becomes such a public conversation, you really do, you really need to be like, Oh, where do I actually stand on this? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So this, I love that, um, this eventually, you know, became, a documentary that's out for people to watch. And it's fantastic. I highly recommend it. Um, but talk to me a little bit about going from that tweet to actually, you know, making a full length documentary. Cause there's a, there's a scene in the documentary that I want to talk about specifically, but we'll get there in a second. Um, just tell me a little bit of like how, how we get from this one tweet that just, you know, takes the world by storm right. to, you know, <laughs> setting to bear yourself on film. Um, Never bear your soul. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was uh, it was a messy process. It was not super organized. Um, it was it was public, oh so there were like people's you know expectations and mm-hmm. um, taking place. I was at graduate school at the time. Um, I was talking to a fellow student who wanted to do. Uh, her name is Jessica Vander Weingard. She is the producer and director of the eventual documentary really talented lady who wanted to make documentary Mm -hmm. films. And we had both worked on a documentary under a professor there. And um, she wanted to do one on Christian dating and the dating scene and wanted to interview me. Um, She had her own negative experience with my book Mm -hmm. and we'd formed this friendship. (laughs) So she then kind of shifted that and said, Hey, what do you think about actually doing this as a documentary about, you rethinking your book and, and, and originally she was thinking her story would be a a major part of it too. And, um, that's right when the tweet took place. And so that started to unfold. And, um, so essentially I opened up my website and, and invited people to share their stories where we would just post their stories without filtering, uh, Hmm. whatever they wanted to say. I did, I think two, uh, major interviews on more like just mainstream um, channels uh, just to get the word out. So people could know that I was inviting this because uh, I didn't want it just to be like people on my website who were <laughs> fans of my book to then, yeah. you know, write reviews or whatever. So I, th- I did a couple of interviews. So I got like 600 different letters and um, eventually I made the decision with Jessica. I said, yeah, okay, I I will do this documentary with you, which was hard for me because I, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't know how she would handle it. We had to learn to trust each other over the process. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, then I ended up making it part of my my studies as well. I I asked a professor to oversee a guided study, which was basically me choosing like eight or nine books, reading those, writing, you know, kind of reflections on those in relationship to rethinking my own book. So I, I wanted to, 
I wanted to do more than just like interact with people's criticism. I wanted to try to go back to the yeah. beginning and say, okay, you know, what shaped my thinking in the, you know, the nineties and even before that, like it, I didn't just show up out of nowhere with new thoughts. We're yeah. all, we all come from a context. We all have ideas that form us and we have a prior generation that we're reacting to and all those things. So it's sort of a theological, sociological, um, you know, study that was really important for me and, and really provided a lot of the, the groundwork for the content of the documentary. So the documentary became mm -hmm. me going out and in person interacting with readers and in person interviewing the authors of the books that I had read um, and trying to create a platform for their, you know, their ideas, as well as to mm -hmm. then share the story of me, uh, you know, rethinking the, the book that I'd written. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that you, the context that you put that in was so resonant. I mean, I know I grew up in the evangelical um, purity culture movement, you know, went through, you know, well, most kids were going through a rebellion stage around 16. I was going through a fundamentalist stage, um, you know, and it was just, it was so resonant to see like all these different voices coming together. Um, that was really, I mean, it was, it was validating and it was challenging. And I just, I really appreciated that. Mm -hmm. But a scene that really stuck out to me, um, especially in the context of the conversation we're having on this podcast, um, yeah. was seeing, you know, there's, there's a point where you are having video calls with so many readers. Um, and you see at one point, like right. some of the, some of the people, um, are filling out this whiteboard with this schedule that's like every 20 minutes you had a different call. Yeah. And I just like, it makes me like squirmy inside to think about that. Like why, like, let's, let's talk <laughs> a little bit about what that experience was like for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I had that idea. Um, when you, you know, a documentary is, is like it, you're having to create context to be able to tell a story Mm -hmm. um, on film, obviously it's, it's a very different communication vehicle than, than writing a book where you're able to mm -hmm. just kind of carefully plan everything out and you write everything and control it. Um, I had had the experience of getting all the letters from people, but mm -hmm. obviously sitting and just reading a computer screen is not very compelling <laughs> film. <laughs> and yeah. so we, we said, how do we, um, how do we recreate what this, what this journey is all about? How do we kick that off? And so we invited people to schedule these Skype calls and it was, um, it was a killer day. I mean, it was, um, oh, it was morning till, till, you know, later in the evening of these back-to-back -back calls. And, um, but it was really powerful for me personally, cause you're, you're seeing people, um, face to face. And, yeah. um, they were also people from all over the world. I mean, I wish we could have shared, you know, more of the, the footage in the film. Um, one of the most powerful interactions I had was with a, a young guy who had grown up in my church. Um, he, uh, is, you know, would now identify as, as gay and just in a wonderful way, just shared his experience, um, and how my book had affected him and how, you know, in the context of our church, he really just felt non-existent. Like there was no acknowledgement mm -hmm. of, of um, his experience as a, you know, as mm -hmm. a member of the LGBTQ community. And that interaction was, was powerful. And then others that were just heartbreaking in terms of, 
you know, there are experiences in environments where there was so much control, so much shame. Mm-hmm. Um, I was exhausted for sure by at the end of that day, which, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's not, the point is, is their stories, but mm-hmm. it was good for me to kind of uh, take all that in. And, um, and then I think the, the, um, the dissonance of, of also, you know, interacting with people that were, you know, sharing how the book had been so helpful and, you know, those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And so I think that's the, that was a a very significant moment in the film and and also in my own journey. Mm. Yeah. No, I just, I thought that was so powerful. Just your, just, just the visual of you sitting through that was just kind of like, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine, you know, if I was in that (laughs) position, what that would be like. Um, But for authors, this like, it's not normally a face-to-face conversation, but this is something that's happening regularly. And we're gonna, we're gonna experience a little bit of that together, hopefully in a more lighthearted way. (laughs) Um, But I have a couple ridiculous Bad book for you. Surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so we've already talked about the context of your book. Usually this is when I ask that, but we're well-versed by this sure. point. Um, so yeah, this <laughs> first one is a one star um, entitled, I Hate This Book. So I usually will read these in the tone that I think this was written. Perfect. But I think to do this one justice, um, I'm reading it typos and all. Okay, great. So. Just this is this is a gem. <laughs> I hate this book. It causes nothing but breakup. I have two girlfriends that were getting close to getting married, and they boyfriends read it and said the need to be single. Guess what? My boyfriend read it. Two days later, he stated that he need to be single to spend time with his good. I think this book does nothing, just cause drama. Women keep you guys away from this book. End quote. Oh, gosh. So. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Whoever wrote that review, I'm so sorry. And and I and I should also say that uh, my spelling and grammar would would not be very good either if I didn't have an editor that uh, proofread everything that I I did before it went out. So no judgment on that front either. <laughs> well, and I think what's happening is this is being typed in the throes of the heartbreak. There's probably like tears involved. It's oh, kind of hard to see. And- definitely type at the same time but well it is a strange thing to feel responsible for people's breakups and honestly i um i don't necessarily feel bad about the breakups as much to to Mm -hmm. to be totally honest with you because i i think that people definitely used my book as an excuse to get out of relationships that they wanted to get out of Mm. Um, so I feel mm. like they sort of, many times people would sort of throw me under the bus a little bit, lame, <laughs> I kiss dating goodbye. Um, I feel, I feel very bad and regretful about many other things about the, the effect of my <laughs> book, but with those kind of stories, it's a little, I, I feel a little less guilt cause I kind of want to say like, you know what? I'm not sure that he was really into you and <laughs> you just need to move on. So I feel like there was another book that came out around the same time called "He's Not, He's Just Not That <laughs> that's Into You." True, that's maybe, right. maybe that's that's the follow up read <sighs> that this seriously, seriously. <laughs> no, I mean that makes total sense. I mean, you can't carry everything because I feel like this was one of those situations. I feel like any bestseller is just kind of that right book at the right time, like that there was just like a a culture 
that was ready for that. And it's not, I feel like (laughs) yours, yours wasn't the only book that was published in this vein around that time, but I feel like it gets, you know, it's the one that gets crucified the most often. And it, uh, Uh, it just stands out in people's minds. It's, it's memorable. I mean, I feel more bad about people who didn't get into any relationships at all because of the effect of the book, you know, people who were too fearful to get into relationships. Um, the breakup letters are, are less the, the, thing that I, I lose sleep over. <laughs> uh, All right. So this one we have, this is not a, this next one is not a breakup letter. Okay. All right. Um, yes. So, and I, I just, I, I think they're blaming you for something much different here that greatly amuses me. We'll see if it amuses you. Okay. I can't wait. Um, yeah. So this one is a one star and instead of entitled, I hate this book, it's called hate the book. So oh, still strong. Do you hate? I love, did you do like a search? Like hate is, was that, was that a prerequisite for the bad book review? No, not, not even like very rarely are they actually titled. It's usually just titled the same as the book title, but oh, I mean, you've got, you've got some creative and passionate readers. Seriously. So. I'm sort of proud of that. Yeah. You should be. <laughs> All right. So here's this one. I read this book a long time ago, back when it was popular, thought it was interesting, but didn't think much of it since it was too idealistic and written by a guy who didn't have the credentials and experience to back it up. It was overly simplistic. It's one size fits all solution. Didn't sit well with me. Forward 10 years later to now, I have a girlfriend who I'm crazy about, but I can't even kiss her because she wants to wait until our wedding day. Great. Our first kiss together will be in front of 500 people. Thanks a lot. If our wedding day wouldn't be stressful and awkward enough, dating advice from a 21-year-old, what other book is he going to write about that he has no experience in? He should have a disclaimer that his intended audience is kids in high school. I kissed common sense goodbye. End quote. That is a very well-written bad book review. And oh I, my gosh. And it's I a, think, this is in yeah. the Hall of Fame. And I think it very well-deserved. I, I can't disagree with anything that he said. I would, if if he's out there listening, I apologize that you had to kiss your wife for the first time in front of 500 people. I'm very sorry about that. But you um, did the same thing. Like you you two could have a support group together. Yeah. I'm not sure he'd want to be in in a group with me. (laughs) (laughs) He might have have to add anger management to his list of support groups (laughs) before he can, he can do that. But yeah, no, that's true. I, um, I did, uh, uh, my first kiss with my wife was in front of a couple hundred people. We didn't have quite as big of a wedding as, as he did, but, um, that's pretty funny. I love that. It's not, it's a review on that though. It's not like the book isn't like, it's kind of touched on, but what he's really getting at is the book was whatever, but the kissing in front of 500 people, he's, he gives that one star. I just think it's so like it's so great because he's like he throws out these little things like back when it was popular and then like <laughs> like you so know it has no experience what else is he going to write about and and then it's just I just think you know the whole just pausing for a second talking about my specific book I think it's such an interesting thing to think about like what motivates people that like, gives them enough energy to go and write a book review. You know what I mean? <laughs> Especially yeah. one that is so specific to his own story. Like, you know, understandably, 
it, it's really unhelpful what my book caused in his in his specific experience but he had this day where it's like i mean how how close to the wedding was he was it like a week away or months away when he just was like you know what i am going on amazon and damn it i am going to tell the world what a pain in the ass this guy is Oh, I just, so I just want to just envision that like the fiance has like probably a five star out here somewhere. You know what? That is key. I want to read her review. That's what right. I want to read. Or, oh, or who knows? She might write and be like, you know what? We got married, and he really doesn't know how to kiss. And I, re- <laughs> I wish that I hadn't read the book. <laughs> All of my friends and relatives were there. Oh, it was such an embarrassment. That's right. He was too angry to do it well. Well, the, oh, the really man. funny thing is in, uh, you know, in 15 years, is she going to be handing um, a used copy of, of I Kiss Dating Goodbye to the Kids? And will he then be like trying to intercept that and, you know, <laughs> throw the book away? It's just who knows? This, this story could continue. This could be a future podcast. Get them on the show. Oh my goodness. Yeah. This would be this would be marvelous. We'll look at we'll look up our anonymous reviewer. <laughs> so um I'm so thankful that you sat down and had this conversation with me. Um I know that this is probably I'm just I'm just gonna ask this last question just because I'm curious. Yeah. Like as the documentary's been out, you've you've kind of you've you have a public statement on your website about the book. You've asked mm-hmm. that the book no longer be printed. Um, so what, where does, where, where are you going from here? Like, what's, what's the plan? Yeah. Well, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm doing uh, a little media blitz, uh, as part of the the process of, of making it possible for the film to be available for free from the beginning. Mm -hmm. There was part of me that wanted to just like release the documentary and then just like disappear and not talk about this anymore. But, um, but I'm doing my last Sorry. little, my last little run around. Um, but it's been great. I mean, I, <laughs> I hope that the documentary will spark conversation, but mm-hmm. yeah, for me, uh, you know, I, um, I'm using my love for story and for communication and for writing to try to help other people get their message out. So, you know, I'm coming alongside businesses that are, um, you know, having trouble connecting with their customers. A lot of great organizations out there that do a really bad job of simply, <laughs> clearly talking about what they do. So I'm, I am uh, doing marketing and brand strategy, working with all kinds of amazing clients and uh, started a, a company called Clear and Loud. So my whole message is before you try to be loud with your marketing, you need to be clear first. So I'm enjoying that. Love that. All right. Well, thank you for joining me and Josh Harris on the Bad Book Reviews podcast. We hope you enjoyed this discussion. Be sure to check out I Survived I Kiss Dating Goodbye. You can check out Josh's world at joshharris.com and follow him on Instagram and Twitter at HarrisJosh. You can follow me on Instagram at ALDeweese and on Twitter at Lex from Bohemia. If you want to contact us at the show, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at bbrpodcast at apricotservices.com. You can follow the show at apricotservices on Instagram and Twitter. The Bad Book Reviews podcast is a production of Apricot Services. This episode has been made possible by sound engineer Peyton Burst, digital producer Peter Ford, and executive producer Alexis DeWeese.